0: Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot, remember that guy? The podcast where we mine our memories for uh, nuggets of nostalgia about peripheral players past and present. I'm your host, James.
1: I'm not going to sing because we would like to keep our listeners, so I'm not going to do that. I would run people off. That was beautiful, James. But we do have another person who doesn't like to sing, does like to talk about some guys. Please introduce yourself.
2: Yeah, I mean, singing definitely not my forte, but, you know, it's a good thing I'm not here to do that. I am the very special guest, Xavier. Welcome back, Xavier.
0: Welcome to yes. Hey, Happy New Year, guys, and Happy New Year to anyone that's listening to us right now. 2021 had a lot of good sports. Uh, it had some last last great bits there in the the last week uh, that made a couple memories for us all. And now we get to look forward to the sports of 2022. But I mean, hey, I said it right there before we look forward. Let's look back. Uh, last week, anyone making memories for you, fellas?
1: So for me, in an incredible last gift of the year to bring me fully back in on the Sixers, Tyrese Maxey with... A fourth quarter that I truly have not seen from a Sixers guard since Allen Iverson. And even doing things that Iverson was not. So Maxie going toe-to-toe with James Harden for the entire fourth quarter. Putting him in a body bag defensively. missing consecutive huge three-point shots to, to give us the lead for good. And what really jumped out to me in that game. So at the end of the third quarter, he hit two threes in a row and was dribbling down with like 30 seconds on the clock. And he took just like a thirty-five foot three-pointer, and he missed it. I've literally never in my life seen a sixer take that shot, that Steph Curry shot, that Dame Lillard shot. Mm -hmm. Just just seeing that shot go up, it it took my breath away. Tyrese Maxey is only twenty-one years old. It's unbelievable how much better. Only twenty-one. Only twenty-one. He's gonna be so good, and. Folks, if you've never seen, like, just a Tyrese Maxey interview, he has the most just infectious joy. He has the most beautiful smile I've ever seen. Um, him and Embiid have started doing their post-game press conferences together, and there's just there's such a great, like, big brother, little brother dynamic going on there. Like, Joel literally said to Tyrese two games ago, is like, yo, Tyrese, you were trash tonight. And Tyrese started laughing. He was like, dude, I shot, like, two airballs. Like, they're, they're adorable. They're adorable. I love them. I love Tyrese Maxey. So for being the shining light that that guided me through twenty twenty one with his beautiful smile, uh, Tyrese Maxey, thank you for the memories. I think both like
0: what what you're talking about in his game and and taking that shot and just the natural ease that he seems to be sliding into some of the basketball adjacent parts of being an NBA player. It seems like a wild amount of confidence for a like, I was shocked that you said twenty one. We've been watching him for what three seasons now, right? This is his third or second exactly. season. Second there's season. only a second season. My goodness, he just jumps off the, the feed anytime I see him on Twitter. is a wildly confident person for his age, which is great. I don't want that to, to sound like a, a knock. It is not an unearned confidence by any means.
1: Right. And what I've said about him, he, he made it to 21. And, you know, COVID is horrible. But if there's one good thing that came from COVID, it's that Tyrese Maxey did not show out in the NCAA tournament. Because if he had that opportunity, Goes top 10, like without a doubt in my mind. So, COVID keeping Tyrese Maxey the best kept secret in basketball until the Sixers sniped him up. Thank you, COVID. You know, I don't think anybody's ever taken the time to say thank you, COVID, but for this specific one thing.
0: <laughs> no, don't think anyone has coach. taken the time to say that sentence. So, you want to just say that one more time, Diaz, for posterity?
1: Thank you to the pandemic, the one positive thing that it contributed, which is Tyrese Maxey being a Philadelphia 76er. Everything else. We don't live in a black and white society. We live in <laughs> and there. And granted, COVID is very, very, very dark, but there is that tinge of white in there. So thank you, Tyrese Maxey. Every cloud has a silver lining. It's a hot take.
0: Well, thank you, TS. Uh, next, any- I, I, I'll any... be our resident
1: COVID defender.
0: <laughs> that's, hey, that's fine. I guess everyone needs one. Not really. Xavier, you got any happy COVID-related memories?
2: I mean, working from home is nice, <laughs> but I'm not, I was hoping to do that before COVID, so I'm not going <laughs> to really you know, give COVID the, the props for that. I was trying to do that anyway. But do real quick, <laughs> I do want to talk about a couple things, all, all pretty quick hitters. One, because it just happened. Commiserations to my fellow Arsenal supporters. We outplayed Manchester City. You know what, we haven't been able to say that for six years, (laughs) but we did, and we got zero points out of it because Rodri scores in the 93rd minute after somehow not being sent off for 50,000 fouls. You know what, it's a tough one, always some issues with the refs, Uh, you know, just all we ask for is some consistency with when you decide to go look at the VAR, if you're going to do it for one, do it for all, but you know what? It was a good performance. Wish we got something out of it, but still, still bright future. On more positive news, the Rangers won again yesterday, beating the Lightning, which is always good because the Lightning are insane. Um,
0: very good. They're like starting to become <clears throat> depressingly good. It's starting to get kind of like late 2010 Warriors.
2: So you know, anytime you you do that, that's pretty good. And I actually looked at the standings, and right now the uh, Rangers. <laughs> Have a 12-point lead uh, uh, on the last wild card spot, so you know I would have been happy just making the playoffs this year. Looks like the Rangers have a very good chance of doing that, unless you know, bad things happen. But hopefully they don't. And then, real quick, the Knicks have been very weird this year, and the whole NBA has been very weird this year, especially with all the all the COVID and all the ten days. But um, I did want to bring attention to is my my favorite box score of all time. So uh, this week, the Knicks played uh, the Pistons in Detroit. And all season, the Knicks have had issues with their starters being bad and their bench picking them up and saving the day. Usually it's been with Derrick Rose, but Derrick Rose is out for two months with an ankle injury. So this time, the bench was led by Alec Burks, who scored 34 off the bench. But the, oh, more, damn. the but the best part is every Knicks starter had a plus minus of at least negative 17. And four of them were in the negative 20s. The bench player with the lowest plus minus was Emmanuel Quickly with plus 27. And the absolute best was Miles Deuce McBride, who in 30 minutes had a plus 39 off the bench and scored exactly zero points. All he did was play defense really,
1: really well.
0: I saw this earlier this week, but it's just so silly to hear every
1: time. So fun fact, that is actually the second highest plus minus for a player to have zero points. I know who it is. I'll let James guess. Z- Z- Xavier, you know, James, you're it's gonna you're gonna hear it and you're gonna be like, oh of course that makes perfect sense. Do you have do you have any guess? Can I can I get a conference? Can I get a conference that it happens? Western.
0: Western Conference. Draymond Green? You're on the right
1: track. We're on the right Andrew. team.
2: <laughs>
0: Andrew Bogut. Andrew Bogut. Okay, okay. It was like plus 42?
1: Yeah. Plus 41 or plus 42 with zero yeah. points. And it's like, it's well, of course, when, when you get to share the floor with Steph Curry and yeah, so there's a network
0: Clay Thompson went off or something.
1: And it's like, yeah, your job is to get the rebound and pass it back out. And that's all you need to do. Don't you dare look at the rim. Get the rebound, put your back to the rim, kick it back out. Andrew Bogut really was the perfect center for those teams. It's shame. He was
0: great. And I wish so badly he'd stuck with them so that Zaza Pachulia could not have replaced him and ruined everything uh, for the San Antonio Spurs by, by stepping
1: underneath Leonard. God, I hate Zaza Pachulia it really was horrific. And like, I remember afterwards people were like, Oh, well, you know, the Warriors were going to win that series anyways. Like dude, the Spurs were up like 18 in game. We were up in, 21 in game points game. when that happened. Goodness gracious. Just immediately, it was like, yep, yeah, well, and it was like in that instance where everybody knew, like, well, there goes their chances of winning the series. Yeah, it was a bummer. But hey, <laughs> there's, there's
0: Good more memories. news in San Antonio. Yeah, well, there's, there's memories in San Antonio. It, real quick, though, if we're talking crazy box scores, I will bring one contender against Mr. McBride. Josh Giddy, rookie for the Thunder, had the second ever double-double with zero points this week, uh, following in the footsteps of 1971's Norm Van Leer. Norm Van Leer had 13 assists, 11 rebounds, and no points in 1971. And then no one else did it until Josh Giddey this week. He just barely made it. He had 10 assists, 10 rebounds. So just made it. Uh, that happened yeah, against was, us, too, because we got. It came against the New Orleans them. Pelicans. It did not come against okay. you this time. I mean, maybe but Van know, Leer's line did.
2: Because I know they shot like. Forty-five percent from three yesterday or two days ago. Whenever they beat us, it was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, no, he he against the New Orleans Pelicans, they beat the Pelicans <clears> one seventeen <throat>
0: to one twelve, uh, and Josh Giddy had a a zero point double double. But the the actual things on the quarter are not particularly important. I think to me this week there's a whole lot of bittersweet with that because because uh, assistant coach Becky Hammond is going to be leaving please. San Antonio Spurs. Please, get into this. Get into this, please. Okay, here's what I'm going to start this entire thing by saying. I love the Las Vegas Aces, and the Las Vegas Aces are going to win a title this year with their star power and Becky Hammond a coach, and I'm ecstatic about that. I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm so excited to see Becky Hammond coach the Aces, and I'm so glad that I care this much about the Aces because if I was just a Spurs fan, I'd be devastated, and that's why this is incredibly bittersweet to me. I am, I am, and many people, who care about the Aces, are also Spurs fans. So I think this is a sentiment that is shared by the Aces. Part of it is, I really liked Bill Laimbeer. Bill Laimbeer was a good coach. Obviously, he couldn't get it done with us, but he's gotten it done with other teams. So it wasn't like we were trying to rush him out the door or anything. But Becky Hammond coming there, she's going to be the highest-paid coach in WNBA history. She's going to be also the GM, apparently, or at least have like some GM duties. And I think this is great. Like I've watched uh since the news dropped a lot of clips from the 2019 summer league run with Becky Hammond Uh, Becky Hammond was the first ever female coach to be the head coach of a summer league team in the NBA they won the summer league that year she is uh she's been on the sidelines and she's she's coached against the Spurs and I think all Spurs fans kind of thought like look Pop gets the record this year. He passes Lenny Wilkins. He sets the team up well. We're pretty happy with where the Spurs are right now. They're roughly where you'd want them to be developing this young core. And then it looked like Becky Ham was going to take over. And I'm going to completely agree with what uh, a bunch of WNBA players are saying. Ari Chambers, I think, said this on Twitter, and I 100% second it. It's not like the it's not a bummer because the WNBA is a step down or anything. Again, I'm fucking thrilled to see Becky Hammond win a championship this year with the Aces. It's happening. Book it. Place your bets now. Like Do whatever the hell you want. The Aces are winning the title. I know I've said that the last three years and it hasn't happened yet, but this time, baby, this time, Aces are winning the title. Hashtag all in. It is also a little bit of a bummer that this, hopefully this means that Becky Hammond does not become the first female head coach in the NBA. And I only say that because there are a number of other people that are qualified to do that right now. Becky Hammond's got a five-year contract. There are a bunch of shitty coaches in the NBA right now, and I would hope that someone else gets into that like conversation before Becky Hammond's five-year contract with the Aces runs out if it doesn't continue on, because by then she's won five straight titles and they're the greatest dynasty in WNBA history. It, it is, though, when you are anticipating seeing some kind of history with your team, it is a little bit of a bummer to realize that might not happen now. It seemed like it was going to be really cool for Becky Hammond to take over the Spurs after Pop, take the reins, you know? And yes, even then, if it didn't live up to expectations, at least we'd say, well, hey, Becky Hammond was the first ever female NBA coach, and she 100% deserved it. This is a great opportunity for her. I'm thrilled. And I just I feel like every time I say any sentence about this, I then end the sentence with but because I want to say something else. I'm either once again thrilled thinking about it from the aces or I'm kind of bummed thinking about it with the Spurs and she's going to finish out the year with the Spurs. I'm glad that she'll still be on the sideline whenever pop gets, you know, 12 more wins. Yeah, it's it's a lot of mixed emotions and I, I haven't gone too in depth with it with you guys. I know you've been waiting to hear that. So there you go. That's my take on, on Becky Hammond future five-time championship-winning head coach with the Las Vegas
2: Aces. Whenever I think of Becky Hammond, I just think about the fact that when I was growing up, she was such a fan favorite for the Liberty. Mm -hmm. I loved Becky Hammond. We thought Becky Hammond was going to be on that team forever and retire a Liberty legend. Now it's like she never played for the Liberty whatsoever. She is so linked to the city of San Antonio. Like, I mean... I saw that the Liberty were were trying to trying to sign her uh, hire her too, um, yeah. a, a, As coach, and you know, if Ace's job wasn't open, maybe she comes back returning hero. But I feel like once she went to the Stars and stayed and, and just stayed there, she's become intrinsically linked with the city of San Antonio, and it's one of it's one of those weird things where it's like I'm so happy for her, and I hope that you know everything with the Aces goes well. But I also think, what if Becky Hammond just stayed a New York legend forever?
0: I will say, I think, every retrospective that they make for Becky Hammond and San Antonio, which they do all the time, because San Antonio loves making retrospectives for its famous players. God, they love doing that all the time. It always includes New York stuff. It's not like they try to erase her career in New York when they talk about her here. I do, though, hear what you're saying. Like, I think the national awareness of Becky Hammond does not really include that in New York so much. It's, it's an interesting an interesting thought.
1: So What I say for Becky and her going to the Aces is, yes, it is a disappointment that now it does seem like she will not become the first NBA female head coach. But at the same time, not that the WNBA needs legitimizing. I'm not saying that. Yes, but yes. The fact that she is foregoing that future opportunity Become I in my opinion the most marquee head coach signing in the history of the league. Really, Easy. I don't think there's anybody that comes close. This is a coup. Um, this is a fu- like this is an um,
0: incredible news on the WNBA front in every single capacity.
1: There's there's exactly. no
0: downside on the WNBA front for this. Like this is incredible news for that league.
1: Exactly, and I think her making that decision should hopefully help elevate the profile of the league and sort of the national consciousness because. I feel like this is something that is being discussed in larger sports circles. And it's a shame that that doesn't happen with the WNBA more, but it doesn't happen that often. This is it's grabbing headlines, right? And now everybody, there's going to be basketball fans that maybe were not necessarily into the WNBA before that will watch this season and will follow the aces to see if Becky can pull it off and uh, win a championship, get the aces finally over the hump uh, in her first season. So I think while it is a loss for the NBA, I think it's a win for the game of basketball on a whole. Because I think just the, the the more that we continue to grow the WNBA and continue to legitimize that as a major sports league, because it it truly is. I think it's I think it's it's only gonna bode <clears throat> good things for the future of basketball and and specifically women's basketball. So
2: hey, you know,
1: hopefully. You know, she goes on a dynasty, wins like five in a row, and then some NBA team says, hey, do you want to become the richest NBA coach in history? We have a deal for you. Like, that would be amazing.
0: Well, let's just be clear. The Aces are about to win five titles in a row.
1: Right. Of course. Of course. So, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how her, her whole career bears out. I do see nothing but success uh, in Las Vegas until the eventual yet-to-be-announced, an and yet to be named, Philadelphia WNBA team takes over the league. But until then, I'm all in on Becky. What's,
0: what's the, the Philadelphia WNBA team going to be called? Because I can tell you the, the Baltimore WNBA team is going
1: to be the Baltimore charm. Liberty Ballers. So I, I like Liberty Ballers. That is a good name. But I have thought about this a yeah. lot, actually. And this is what they need to do. Same way, so when the Sixers win, they play Here Come the Sixers. They have the song. It's beautiful. starts playing. Sometimes well before the game ends. It's a little insulting to the opponent sometimes, but I like it. So what the WNBA team in Philadelphia needs to do is they need to be named the Philadelphia Freedom. And every time they're about to win, you start playing the Billy Joel song and just – it it, it almost brings me to tears just to think about it. Just to think about it. Like that – it's such a great victory song. Like – Billy Freedom. Billy Freedom sounds
0: great. Admittedly, that that rolls off the top.
1: Philadelphia Freedom – and every time you win, you just start belting out Philadelphia Freedom. Make Billy Joel like a 10% owner. The same way, so when, uh, when the Philadelphia Soul Arena team, you know, John Bon Jovi was a co-owner. And he wasn't really a co-owner, but like, he had a stake and like, you know, he did the appearances. Get Billy Joel on board, give him a stake, have him sit courtside, have his song play, Philadelphia Freedom. What are we doing? This needs to happen now. It's absurd the season doesn't start for another couple months. We still have time to announce it. You have time to make this right to put a wrap
0: to, to making memories I want to share one memory I have regarding John Bon Jovi and that championship winning arena football team in Philadelphia because I saw John Bon Jovi live once in Philadelphia talk about this and the the venue that I saw John Bon Jovi live in. Was the evening before election night 2016 when there was a rally on Independence Mall just blocks away from my job? And so I said, Yeah, why not go there this evening and see, you know, several presidents and John Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen and the person that everyone here is certainly living in a world in which uh, they will be the next president. And John Bon Jovi proudly proclaimed as he came onto the stage Hey, everyone, John Bon Jovi, rock star, owner of the Philadelphia Soul who brought championship football back to the city of Philadelphia. There wasn't a lot of a reaction. I don't know what reaction John Bon Jovi was hoping to get there. It was not very lively. That's also the
1: Super Bowl. So it was the championship football I had ever seen in my life at that point. Exactly.
0: But but he was living in kind of a a fantasy football world. And that's my attempt to now segue us into our, our primary topic. And I'm gonna go ahead and kinda of step to the sidelines here as as you gentlemen take it away.
1: So for anybody who is listening to this podcast on the day that it releases, it's Championship Sunday. And it's Championship Sunday for fantasy football owners across the country. And we just want to honor the incredible game that is fantasy football and to honor some of the great guys that have come through our rosters. But first Xavier and I have a little personal history (laughs) to to kind of discuss right now. So specifically this season and last season in fantasy, we were talking about this a bit before we started, but in, in any season of fantasy football, randomness plays a very large part in who ends up winning, who ends up losing. Injury luck, crazy things happen during the game that might swing something. But in the last two seasons, obviously, COVID has run rampant through society, through sports. There's no sector that it has not touched. And it's really made fantasy a game of who is paying attention to the news the quickest and who can uh, make the, the waiver claims, who can add guys off of free agency quicker. And specifically last week, COVID played a big role in mine and Xavier's semifinal matchup Xavier, I just I just want to give you the floor to air all your grievances because my grievances would be the stratosphere. They would be aired so much if I were you. So please take it away. So I've aired my grievances for the most part, and I've
2: I've mostly gotten over it. So just a a, a little bit of, of of context here. I have Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler as my starting running backs, and my other running back is Antonio Gibson. So. I was missing both Eckler and Cook due to COVID. I ended up having to uh to, to to play Keyshawn Vaughn as 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 a running as one of my running backs. We're getting our, some good names here.
0: We're starting to get into some good names here. Keyshawn Vaughn and is a
2: guy. Keyshawn Vaughn went seven carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. And things, you know, were looking pretty good. I had one major issue where I was driving from New York back to Pennsylvania and Miles Jack was put on the COVID list right before game time while I was in the car. So I didn't have the chance to replace him with anybody, pick up a defender or just bring Carlton Davis in off my bench, who ended up scoring 3.5 points off the bench. Worst case scenario, if I only had like two seconds to ch- to see it, just put, put Carlton Davis on there. So... Just remember that 3.5 points. Things are coming down to the wire. It's pretty much up to Antonio Gibson at the end of the night uh, against, against Diaz. And he scores in the first half, and things are looking, things are looking good. But the uh, Washington football team is getting demolished. They come out in the second half, and who's not out on the field? Antonio Gibson. They were getting beaten so badly that Ron Rivera pulled his starters. At halftime, I end up losing a final score of 132.12 to 128.68. And this is after two top starters remo- uh, out by COVID, my third running back removed at halftime in a blowout. And re- remember the Miles Jack COVID that I didn't get a chance to replace my lineup because I was driving. And Carlton Davis is 3.5 points on the bench. If I had had time to put Carlton Davis in, I win 132.18 to 132.12. Wow. 0.06. Would have been 0. 0. 0. 0. 0.
1: 0.06. Is <clears> though <throat> so different that his margin of victory would still technically be able to drive a car if it were a BAC. That's how that's how low
0: it is. <laughs> I was wondering but you were going with that. A
1: 0. 0. 0.06.
2: Incredible. It was, uh, it was a stressful one. I ended up hanging out with the Diaz the day afterwards. Found out that the
1: payout in our league was a little different than I thought it was and got angry once again. <laughs> but our, our our dues and our payouts are exactly double what Xavier thought they were. So we yeah, won't get into specifics. I, we won't we won't do shame anybody. It's, I did, I did for everybody that. knows what double is. Everybody knows I, what double is. And I did forget <laughs> that somehow. So
2: it was a- anger all over again. But, you know, I I, I love the randomness of fantasy. I just prefer it not ha- being COVID-related, you know, randomness. But, you know, did- this is a Dynasty League, so next year my team is good. You know, I won't have, I won't have another Cooper Cup, like, greatest season of all time thing, but... Who's you know, to I, say? Who's to say? But, you know, I do still have Aaron Rodgers, Cooper Cup, Eckler, Cook... <laughs> Uh, Diggs, Kittle, Pittman—like I, 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 like my team. It's just when you're when you're that close. Also, I would have been favored to beat Brian prior to also losing Antonio Gibson to COVID this week. It's just one 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 of those uh, one of those times. Can't really can't really do anything about it. I
1: did confess to Xavier when we were hanging out that I saw at about eleven a.m. I was like, oh, I was Jack has COVID on Xavier's roster do I tell Xavier and I had the, I had the true devil in the, the angel moment and all I could think is and James, I'll say this to guard your sympathy J.K. Dobbins was going to be my RB1 this season my RB2 was going to be Travis Etienne well, I lost both my running backs for the full season so is it fair that I don't have my top two for the full season and Xavier just doesn't have his top two for one game, who's to say I'm not here to say what's right or wrong. And nobody's here to say whether it's right or wrong that I didn't tell Xavier that his guy had COVID. Nobody's to say that it's right or wrong that if I had told Xavier, Xavier would have won. Who's to say? Who's to say? Certainly not me. And uh, maybe Xavier, but definitely not Craig. I see Craig looking at me with his little bare eyes trying to judge me. And you know what, Craig? I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to hear it. You know, winners win, Craig. And I won. So, Craig, just keep producing, buddy. I think the best um, part
2: is just that you happen to work for Penn doing contact tracing stuff and we're celebrating COVID happening. Oh, yeah. Hey, he was <laughs> off the clock. He was
0: as, as another former <laughs> member of, of COVID task forces.
2: Gotta,
1: you got <laughs> to separate business from like, listen, if I saw Dalvin Cook's result come across while I was working and for some reason he tested through the Penn system and I saw his result. First of all, I would have maintained HIPAA. That's what I would say. I think, you know, all these leaks is a little ridiculous. We don't need to know everybody that has COVID. You can just say they're out. But anyway, I would have very duly called him immediately. And actually, you know, Xavier, that's kind of why I didn't tell you about Miles Jack. I thought that would be a HIPAA violation. (laughs) It's not my place to spread his business around. The
0: one time (laughs) someone has correctly cited HIPAA in the entire history of this NFL season.
1: I think that's HIPAA. Um, so, it's, no,
0: I, here's the thing. That's closer to it than anyone who's saying you can't ask me about that at a press conference. That, it, right. it is more
1: accurate. Exactly. You know, I'm just I'm just not here to blow up anybody's business. So I wanted to respect uh, Miles' Jack's you know, medical privacy. So that's why I didn't tell you Xavier. Actually, I never I never explained it to you quite like that. But that is the real reason. But you know, so what Xavier did allude to is I had. The look in the mirror moment where you're like, am I a bad person? Because when Dalvin Cook was declared out, my immediate reaction was to raise my hands and say, Dalvin Cook is on the COVID list. And it was like instantly followed up by like, oh, why does that make me happy? Need to do some self-reflection. At some point, though, after the season is done, because right now we're still just strictly focused on fantasy football. And, you know, Xavier and I are such junkies. Not only did we just play against each other in a semifinal. We're actually playing each other in a championship this week. And Xavier, I said this to James before you hopped on, but I just do want you to know, I'm specifically playing Gronk Evans and Rojo because I know they're going against the Jets. In my sick, perverse mind. It's pretty sadistic. I will I will I will get some joy knowing that you're gonna be watching that game. The Jets are gonna presumably get whooped. And not only well, is your real team getting whooped. <laughs> Here's what league. I
2: want to say. To, I've to been the try top scorer in this league the whole season. <laughs> in the semifinals, I put up 150, and not a single other playoff team even cracked 100. He put up. He won because Brooks forgot to take out James Connor, who, who also got COVID. <laughs> who also got COVID, and then won it on a last on a last minute uh, Carlson field goal by a point. Right now, I am projected to lose to Diaz by three points. We'll see. And this would be the worst thing that's ever happened. We'll see. (laughs) Xavier, here's what I'd say to both of your spirits. Look, the Jets
0: have beaten Tom Brady before in some phenomenal performances. And think about how great it would feel if the Jets beat Tom Brady and it cost Diaz the championship against you. Now, is that a likely scenario? No, I think we can all agree it's not a particularly likely scenario. But if it happens, that would be the greatest outcome ever. Like, he has set you up. For a possible greatest championship Sunday
2: ever. See, I would take a defensive struggle where Keyshawn Vaughn has a 99-yard touchdown run to win <laughs> it. So no, so we still lose to get draft position, and nobody on the Bucks that Diaz has gets points. Or I don't want the Ravens to lose, but I would also take a combined 60 points from Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford.
1: Now, I will you, also you be can rooting want, for that. You
0: can want the Ravens to lose. We're probably going to
1: lose. It's all right. The hell of a stack to have for sure, but so we wanted to kind of warm up a little bit by talking about the modern state of fantasy, and we also obviously name of the podcast, folks. If you've forgotten, you can look at your phone real quick if you're not sure. The name of the podcast is Remember That Guy, so we do want to remember some fantasy guys. You know, there's guys that may not necessarily stand out in the minds of football fans but fantasy football owners will very fondly remember certain guys so a modern example of this I think would be James Robinson I think in 10 years nobody's really going to remember James Robinson in the in the collective mind of the NFL but I will always remember James Robinson because he was one of my undrafted free agent pickups last season and has just he just swiftly earned his way into my heart my team names across all my leagues last year were here's to you mr. Robinson um, Oh that's pretty a- good that's pretty good damn it I also made a um, about a one minute highlight of James Robinson's set to the song and it's like it's progression you know he's at Illinois State he's undrafted and then when and here's to you is when he had one of his hurdles I, w- I was just glad to use my video production degree for something since I no longer work full-time in video production <laughs> Um, so it was, it was just good to get some use from that, from that, from that degree. Uh, so James Robinson would be like a modern example of it. And I want to throw out just one name real quick. A guy who I, I want to say it was 2014. If you were wise and you picked him up, he was a league winner for you. I oh, remember Zach Stacy. No, I don't believe that I do. <laughs> He's not the really? one in jail, is he? Oh, wait, <clears throat> is he? Yeah. Hold on. I, the, the amount of times recently... Yeah, yeah, Zach Stacy is yeah, Zach, the, uh, the, the, yeah, the headlines I see as soon as I Google. Zach Stacy's ex girlfriend speaks out for the first time. Zach Stacy tells police his ex girlfriend staged brutal attacks. She set me up. So maybe we don't need to talk too much about Zach Stacy. He's kind of a shithead. <laughs> but I did score some points for some people one time. So, you know, there is that. So forget that I said Zach Stacy. Let me throw another name at you. Remember Jonas Gray? Oh, that one rings a bell. But Jonas Gray was the only healthy Patriots running back for one week. guys that would have picked him up and started him in an emergency that week. His first start, 2014, 201 yards and four touchdowns. This is his debut. And you see league owners are thinking that they've just gotten a steal. If you started him that week, he was a league winner. Next week, he oversleeps and he misses a practice. We all know who the head coach of the Patriots is. Yes, yes. We We all know know who the head coach of the Patriots is. We all know that Bill Belichick will not take kindly to this kind of thing. Benched him the following week. Never started another game for the Patriots. In his first game, he had two hundred and one yards and four touchdowns. His career stats are five hundred and eighty eight rushing yards and five touchdowns. Wow. So that one game, more than almost all of his touchdowns and almost half of his rushing yards. Roughly half wow. of his total fantasy production was in that one game.
0: Hey Everyone set two alarms in the morning.
1: You need to You need to it, the, the most terrifying thing is when you turn off the alarm, you don't hit snooze, and then you have that like 30 seconds of starting to drift back to sleep. And then what I will say is when you snap back up after that, that's the most awake you are like ever. This is why you don't hit the snooze button. You set two alarms, and you set the
0: second one at the time that you would want to snooze for. You always turn the alarm off. You can make the decision to go mm-hmm. back to sleep or not, but never hit the snooze button. The snooze button will kill you, folks. i watch out for that snooze. You hit the so. snooze button, and you get cut from the Patriots a couple weeks later, and, and your career is over. Like, don't hit the snooze button. And
1: fucking notice Gray went to jail for not paying child support. <laughs> oh, my
0: goodness. <laughs>
1: Damn it, well, <laughs>
0: Fantasy sports are so thoroughly not sports. For football, that's, I think, tough because then you just get all these violent people that aren't even on your team, and then when they start getting arrested all the time and you try to look back on them fondly, you're like, oh shit, I have accidentally pulled up a a predator list or something like that. Hey, actually, no one we had pulled up yet there was like, when you say predator, that's going to that minor level, and that's a horrible aspersion that we shouldn't necessarily cast on those individuals bad as they may be either
1: way. Listen, nobody we've mentioned today is a murderer that we know of. We haven't gotten into <laughs> this great season yet. So it is, it is a fine line you need to walk. Another running back that I want to name, and hopefully I don't find any crimes that he's committed, is Lamont Jordan. Lamont Jordan was a back for the Jets initially. He signed with the Oakland Raiders, and if you had Lamont Jordan in 2005 probably won your league in 2005 it was 1600 all-purpose yards with 70 receptions 11 combined touchdowns as a six seventh round guy that would be a league winner that year that would absolutely be a league winner didn't do much for the jets looking at it
2: no um, no he, he was he, he was mostly a backup to curtis martin was, where I was Cur- to Cur- curtis, curtis martin, martin the hall of
1: famer curtis martin i mean that would have been an amazing fantasy football guy to have because to me just like epitome of consistency. I don't know if he would have ever had like a monster like, oh, Curtis Martin had fucking five touchdowns and 200 rushing yards. Certainly no Jonas Gray. (laughs) Um, But um, the epitome of consistency. Dare I say the greatest RB2 of all time I think is what you would say for Curtis Martin.
2: I I always shot... I mean, he did lead the league in rushing one year and also had...
0: (laughs) (laughs) I always shot to have, if possible, for my wide receiver, too, for like, you know, the last decade of what felt like the waning years uh, was was Larry Fitzgerald, far from a guy like a, a, you know, likely first ballot Hall of Famer. But man, if you had Larry Fitzgerald as your wide receiver, too, you knew that that position was taken care of for the entire
1: season. Easily. easily. The topic, best waiver claim, free agent that any that each of you ever made that you can think of. I'll go first to give you time to think about it. For me, for I mean, for me, I already talked about him. It is James Robinson because I signed him in like May, our dynasty league. He was like fifth straight at this point because the Jags still had they had Lenny Fournette still, they had Rock Armstead. For in this full circle, we're talking about COVID. Thank God Rock Armstead is back in the league now. I'm so mm-hmm. happy for him because that was just very weird how he was just gone for like a year, definitely struggling with COVID. But we're glad he's back. T for Temple U. Fight, fight, fight. Chariot in the white. Rock Armstead is back in the NFL. But they had, like, all those guys ahead of them. But I watched James Robinson. He went to Illinois State. They played North Dakota State in the FCS playoffs the year before. And, like, Illinois State got, like, massacred. Like, it was really not good. And I just remember, like, every single play, it was like the Illinois State offensive line was getting pushed back, like, three yards. And James Robinson was still getting four or five yards a carry. And sure enough, once he gets to the NFL, with the exact same thing, playing with a horrific Jags team. If you need four yards, all you got to do is turn that thing around and hand it to number 30, his rookie year, number 25 now, but literally like I've, I think I've, I've sent you both the picture. I have a James Robinson Jersey. He was so essential in me winning multiple titles last year. Um, so we'll always have a place in my heart. I love him so much. So James Robinson is my greatest waiver claim. James, who is yours? Um, I'm going to the state of Florida as well. And I'm going to say Jay Jahi. Oh, Jay Jahi.
0: I got him after, I admit, I did not get him for his first big Miami game. But the day after that first big Miami game, I couldn't even, t- I believe this was maybe the year that like Justin Forsett went down and I had to throw someone in there uh, pretty late, Justin Forsett, who I was like, oh yeah, now I'm set at running back too, same as with Larry Fitzgerald. Nope. But yeah, JJ, I got him and it's, it's the only time I think I've ever looked smart in, in fantasy football, honestly. I'll let everyone here know that uh, I've never won any fantasy league. In fact, since 2016, when I did make a championship in the baseball league that I run, uh, that I then lost on the final day, the day before the Orioles lost the wildcard game in their final playoff appearance, I have also not made a playoff appearance in any fantasy sport since then. So I'm very bad at fantasy sports, despite seeming like someone who knows what they're talking about,
1: more or less. It's, it's like we said, like, it's just, it's so much randomness and luck that goes into it, right? Like, you can look back at almost any fantasy season, anybody in any league, listeners at home, I'm sure you can also go back and look at, like, if this fucking really random thing didn't happen in the wild card to make me lose, I would, would have been top point scorer each of the next two weeks and I would have won the title. It's just such a game of luck. And, like, especially as we already alluded in the modern era. Such a game of luck. Like, He's Xavier, uncertain Xavier, times. Xavier's going to put up probably 30, 40 more points than me this week. But it doesn't matter because the week we played, his, his fantasy team had its own COVID outbreak. That's absurd. It's not even a real-life team. They're not even, like, interacting with each other. That's how fucking infectious this Omicron shit is. you see your name online somewhere and it's next to somebody else's, watch out. He transmits. It's, that's the way it looks right now. As long as long If you're in the same fantasy lineup, at least. None of us, to my knowledge, I don't think anybody's starting us in their leagues. I think we're going to be okay as long as we continue to uh, distance, wash the hands, all that. I think we'll be okay. But you never know with how shorthanded, especially in NBA, man. They're giving out 10 day contracts like hot.
0: <laughs> it's, I mean, it's another peak moment for guys. We're getting Lance Stevenson back with the Indiana Pacers. We're getting Mario Chalmers back with the Heat. Joe Johnson with the great. Celtics. It's all, it's phenomenal.
1: I, i mentioned this off air, but Michael Jordan could still put up double digits if you give him 20 minutes.
0: You think Hornets- double digits. You think double digits.
1: If Michael Jordan had a smaller defender on him and got it in the high post and was able to just still shoot away. fadeaway. Yeah, exactly. That's shoot. the thing. If he he could shorter than anybody. Him, exactly. If he had somebody shorter than him that couldn't block his uh, fadeaway, there's no doubt in my mind that Michael Jordan, 18 foot fadeaway. Still absolute cash as long as you can't elevate enough to block it. He would give up 30, but he could give you 10. In fact, I actually just saw this morning, uh, so LeBron put up 40 and 10 last night. Mm -hmm. He was the first player to do that at age 37, um, other than Jordan. Jordan's the only other one to do it, because, of course. Crazy.
0: I just think it's really interesting that probably by the time LeBron turns... We'll say maybe by the time he turns like 38 or 39, he will have scored either 38,000 or 39,000 points. There will be a brief moment where he will have averaged over his life a thousand points a year, and really he'll insane. he'll maintain that average presumably until he retires. And then at some point, once he gets a little bit older, like if he ends up with breaking Kareem's,
1: that'll put him around what. 38,387
0: points in his career. Oh, yeah. So, LeBron, like, when he turns 39, I thought it was significantly higher. Uh, by the time he turns 39, he'll presumably have that record, I think. Then he'll retire, and then when he gets older, so that he's not averaging that, we might never see someone be able to have that distinction ever again. Like, even someone who's a volume shooter sure, like Steph Curry, like, at this point, Steph Curry, I think, has missed enough time due to injury. I don't think he's ever going to be able to reach that. Like, he'll... You know, right. scored a, at a similar per-game pace as LeBron easily for his whole career. And he'll probably play roughly the same number of years, more or less. But he needed to be on the court so much more to even have a chance of that, the way LeBron has had.
1: Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Exactly. But anyway, get back to the topic at hand, which is fantasy football. Ajayi, James's great waiver claim. James Robinson, my great waiver claim. Xavier, <laughs> who is your favorite waiver claim? random guy off the, off the bench and straight into your heart that you managed to sign.
2: So I got, I got a couple, you know, I've been, especially in the Dynasty League, I've been pretty lucky with getting, got, getting some good UDFAs. But I think my favorite would have to be, you know, the people's tight end, uh, George Kittle. Yeah. Save, save love that get.
1: guy. <clears throat> yeah, I was going for more obscure players, and you just have to rub in my face that you got, like, a top five tight end of all time in my mind. Off the fucking then, then what about Philip Lindsay? I love Philip Lindsay, too. You know I love Philip Lindsay. There you go. Phil, 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 <clears throat> Philip Lindsay is, is more the, the, the vibe we're going for. That's, that's totally... Double
0: cool. first names. Anytime you're talking double first names, we're in good territory.
1: Curtis Martin, oh, I mean.
2: yeah. Lo- lo- love me some Philip Lindsay. I really can't believe that the Broncos had a guy they got for nothing that rushed for a thousand yards two straight years, and they just kept trying to replace him. It's like, you, you could spend your money on literally every other part of your team but no let's give a uh, fucking Melvin Gordon a bunch of money to come replace to come replace him and then Melvin Gordon didn't do anything for the first like 2 years of his contract it-
0: I I don't think that there's a worse GM
2: who has an
0: inexplicably somewhat good reputation than John Elway. I think John Elway is one of the worst GMs in the NFL right now. And he gets away with it because one time he convinced Peyton Manning to come play for him. And that's it. That's the only thing that John Elway has ever
2: legitimately done that was a good move as a general manager, as far as I can tell. It was overri- overridden by his Brock Osweiler love. That That makes everything negative
1: to me. When what I just remember of Brock Osweiler is like the pitch for Brock Osweiler being good. always started with like, he's so tall. And it's like, listen, if the first thing you're telling me about a quarterback is that he's tall, that tells me that the first thing that the what you're not telling me first is what he can actually do on the field. Yeah, like, that's not a skill. Oh. It's like, yeah, like. That might be a skill for like volleyball. That would be great. Like he can be, he can get some fucking killer spikes out there. But uh, we need the ball to not go into the ground in this sport. We need it to go into other people's hands who then run with it. So that's the height is not really helping that much there, Brock.
2: Oh, um, also, I did want to talk about this earlier. Didn't get a chance to. Uh, to I was thinking back about uh, our first year of the Dynasty League, uh, twenty fifteen, when uh, I. <laughs> Drafted Andrew Luck with my first pick, and then he missed almost the whole season and was crap for the parts that he wasn't. So my team was led by Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, coming out of the blue to have his greatest Magic. ever season. And I ended up with the, with the number one seed thanks to the stack of Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brandon Marshall, but also my, one of my favorite
1: random guys, Alan Hearns. Oh, Alan Hearns. He was, uh, I know he played for the Jags. Yes. Right? He went to, I think, University of Miami. Alan oh. Hearns did go to Miami, yes. Um, so
2: in, in, in that, that season, Alan Hearns had 64 catches for 1,031 yards and 10 touchdowns. It was the number 15 receiver in all of fantasy. In the four years he's played, he played after that combined did not get 10 touchdowns again. And has missed the last two seasons due to COVID and injury. So it was just that 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 one season of Alan Hearns with my start, the starting lineup, you know, my top four players were Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brandon Marshall, Matt Forte, and Alan Hearns. And it was the number one seed in the play
1: in the playoffs and then lost so- immediately. One particular moment that I remember from your season that year, and you know this is an incredible thing when I wasn't even playing in this game, and I still remember it six years later, is Xavier started the season, I want to say like 7-0, 8-0, and in one of the games that Andrew Luck did manage to play that season, he was playing on Monday night, and I think Xavier needed like 15 points from him, like nothing crazy by quarterback standards at all. Of course, Andrew Luck in the first half had, like, two interceptions, a fumble. Like, he's sitting at, like, I think he was at negative, like, two at halftime. And Xavier, at his team name, was the, uh, the Luck of the Irish. Also. Luck of the Irish, yep. This week in particular, this was the week that uh, Temple played Notre Dame. Uh, the, the Halloween game, the, the most significant football game in Temple football history. So... I uh, led a charge of others that peer pressured Xavier to say your team name cannot be the luck of the Irish in the week that we play Notre Dame. It just can't be. We're a temple football league. This is absurd. So Xavier changed his team name to temple fucks the Irish. And of course, you know, I still, I still have nightmares of the last touchdown pass that Notre Dame through. If our safety took the right angle, it was an interception, but he tried to undercut it and he didn't take a good angle. So it was a touchdown i'll never forget it but anyway um javier's team name was temple fucks the irish up until halftime of that monday night he's like you know what i'm undefeated that's the luck of the irish i'm changing the name back and sure enough andrew luck absolutely lights the world on fire in the second half it's up like 25 points in the second half alone um and gave javier the win to remain undefeated so People wanna say jinxes don't work, there's no such thing as curses, luck isn't a thing, you know. We're just we're just all sitting here and just it's all random. But David doesn't win that game if he doesn't change his name back. But that was what spurred Andrew Luck on to victory. It's true. And two, the two 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 fun things about, about that about that season.
2: I did win a game when Andrew Luck had negative points. Wow. I think he had negative point two and I still won. And then also my team name after I finally benched Andrew Luck did end up becoming the Amish mafia
1: because Ryan Fitzpatrick's beard was at least three feet long. Again, when it's, when it's six years later and I'm still able to recount in vivid detail game like that, that's how, you know, we are, we are true sickos when it comes to fantasy football, but to kind of uh, wrap this up, I guess just wanted to go around. Maybe we each do our own. I think that might be fine. And just the most guy fantasy football player that you can think of. It could have been they had a whole season that was great. Maybe they just had one random game. Um, I'll I'll tell you who I think
0: is uh, the undisputed all-time guy quarterback in fantasy football. Blake Bortles was like a top five quarterback in fantasy football for a stretch of seasons while also leading – one of the most miserable football franchises in existence. And I think it is that juxtaposition that so elevates him. Look, yeah, you could take Drew Brees every year. Sure, he's going to be great for you. Or you could ride with fucking Blake Bortles.
1: The um, Blake Bortles experience can best be summarized as once you're in, you get through three quarters and he's probably like 10 of 24 for like 100 yards with two picks you're like, why the fuck did I start Blake Bortles? He gets two and, garbage time touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. And then the Jags are down <laughs> 28 in the fourth quarter. So he's like, oh, wow, Blake Bortles threw for like 200 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone because they were running pre and didn't give a shit. Um, Blake Bortles is a great call. I was going to mention that this would have been just a one-night only thing, but Joe Webb would have been a winner for people when he got his random Tuesday night start against the Eagles So Joe Webb, I would say, is like the single-game edition of of what you're going for, but Blake Bortles is a great call. I got a good single-season one. Who's that? It's Peyton Hillis. Yeah. Peyton Hillis tricked all of us so much that that motherfucker ended up on the Madden cover. (laughs) What? I I think about Peyton Hillis really frequently. He had 1,600
0: yards
2: from scrimmage, 61 receptions, and 13 touchdowns in that season. He was sure. genuinely good that season. <clears throat> it wasn't like he was faking
0: it that season. He just somehow right. never did it again. Right,
1: right. Oh, got it. Peyton Hillis is a good one. Um, right, so, back, we got, I, so
0: behind the offensive line, we got quarterback Blake Bortles lining up to hand off to Peyton Hillis. Who you got as the other
1: halfback? So yeah, RB1, Peyton Hillis. I would go RB2 is Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis. Got to okay. the ball for him. I think, I mean, Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis was just like, perfect RB2. As a Patriots running back, unheard of, but Ben Jarvis, you could pencil in for 10 to 12 points almost every week. Other candidate that I would have there is Tim Hightower as well. Tim Hightower had some good for the Cardinals. So I think there we have a pretty good running back stable. So now we move to wide receivers. And wide receiver. I mean, especially like in modern fantasy, it's weird because it's like it's important to have good wide receivers, but they throw so much now that I feel like The elite guys, right? Like the top 10 matters. And I think 15 through like 50 is almost all interchangeable um, when it comes to wide receiver. But if I was to think... I think we've mentioned one very good one. Alan Hearns. Alan Hearns. Hearns. Oh yeah, Alan Hearns has to be in there. Alan Hearns Hearns is good.
0: I could recommend maybe in the slot, Uh, we've said him on another episode, one time Ravens season receiving leader, Kamar Aiken. That's oh, yeah,
1: Kamar. Kamar's a good one. I mean, shit, dude. Uh, it's modern, but I think Hunter Renfro is going to be a fantasy stud for people for a while. But he's like number like 13 or 14 right now at wide receiver in fantasy. It's absurd because he's just fucking goofy white guy in the slot. Hmm. Roy Williams stands out to me. Remember Roy Williams? Remember both Roy Williamses were both on the Cowboys? <laughs> there was- there was Roy Williams, the safety, and then there was Roy Williams, the wide receiver, who went to Texas. He might have had some overlap with Vince Young, but he wasn't on the Rose Bowl team. 2006 Pro Bowl and NFC receiving yards leader, Roy Williams. How could you ever forget, James? Shame on me. But, no, yeah, Roy Williams is, uh, I, would, I would throw him in there as well as, as one of our receivers. So, uh, Bortles under center. We got Peyton Hillis and Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis as our running backs. We got Alan Hearns, Roy Williams, Kamar Aiken. We'll say it's a three-wide receiver league. You know, we'll go three deep at both. And then between Roy Williams or... Um, Hightower. Hightower. Between Roy Williams and Tim Hightower, I think we have some high upside flexes there. We get to to meet the most d- debated position in fantasy. A lot of people don't think it should exist anymore. is tight end. But I'll throw a name out there. Sante Shanko. Just on mm. name value alone and researching him. Did you guys know he's British? Really? Satyashenko Sotis- was, was born uh, in Birmingham, huh. Greenham, England. Fifth Second in city. The greatest of the U.S. as an infant. So, you know, born and raised for all intents and purposes, as an American. But born a British citizen, just like J.J. Uh, J.J. Jay Jay. Jay Jay still had the accent. That was what I was.: Was he actually Jay Jay a British citizen, though? Because the thing is... UK does not do
2: birthright citizenship. If your parents are not UK citizens, you do not get UK citizenship. So he might have not been a UK citizen. That's Nationality and citizenship though. are not necessarily the same. It's all right. This, is, this isn't important. Two you guys tight
0: ends into history. That's
1: a result. Oh,
2: thanks.
0: I mean, I like partially going with the argument of what even is a tight end. Like New Orleans Jimmy Graham was uh, some next level stuff. New Orleans Jimmy Graham question what exactly does tight end even mean and as soon as he started questioning that he suddenly got really worse at football which was unfortunate for him but he was great the other one i'd say for a single season remember gary barnage on the browns
1: gary barnage what a random season
0: what a phenomenal one year Mm -hmm. i think nine touchdown season uh for a pretty mediocre browns team and then absolute uh disapparation into into the ether uh just nothing ever again after that
1: yeah, so yeah, I think, I think we, have, we have a very great uh, roster of people that have no football accolades or very few football accolades, but rightfully <clears throat> fantasy football legends. So, we um, took Justin Tucker in the third round. Right. Yeah, I mean, no, we took Justin Tucker in the first round.
0: No, we took Blake Bortles in the first round, and then we took Justin Tucker. <laughs> Probably, you're right, second round. Second
1: round for Justin Tucker. <laughs> No, essential, essential, yeah. Because I mean, the, the kicker is a position that we can't mess around with, guys. We need the very best. So, hey, man, keep kicking. Get, we'll get, we'll get Tucker in there, and yeah, defense. I don't know, fucking the O3 Bears. How about that? You know, they had Reiner, <laughs> Lecker, for them. Um, sure. So quite, quite a roster we've built here. So this was a great dive into into some guys of fantasy football past. And for those listening on Sunday morning, best of luck to you in your championships. Mm. Uh, Best of luck to everybody listening to this, except for Xavier, who I do want to lose uh, (laughs) because I'm playing against him. Uh. Listen, you know, brothers, I was I was best man at his wedding, folks. But all he is this week is an opponent. And the only thing an opponent is to me is a person that is in the way of what I want. So Xavier. I'm just going to tell you right now, you need to check your own rosters because I see that a guy has COVID. I'm not saying anything. We've already right. established that track record.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> Unless it's in a professional capacity.
1: Unless it's in a professional capacity. Um, so yeah, if you're like, if you're like the primary uh, healthcare provider for anybody on your fantasy team, we might be in touch. Otherwise, your secret is safe with me. I think, I think this was a great episode. Any Anything from either of you guys to, to wrap it up? I'm realizing I kind of took the hosting duties in this one. This feels a little weird. No, Not that was out of my amazing. Was I'm, so
2: great. I'm fine. I just want to win some something. <laughs>
0: well, I also feel like this episode is a great time to announce the, the actual Play D&D podcast that we're going to do set on uh, some like non-existent fictional uh, sports league called High Fantasy Football. That's not what we're going to do. What we are going to do next week is we are going to go back to our more standard research. It's time to, to reflect once again upon necessary additions to the hall. So we hope you guys join us for that. We hope you enjoyed your beginning of 2022. Uh, please don't go any live sports for like a little bit, just a tiny bit. Yeah. That's all I got this week, folks. Uh, I've been James. I've been the very special guest, Xavier.
1: I'm Diaz. And as Bo Jackson once said, set your goals high and don't stop till you get a guy. <laughs> yep, that is indeed what Bo Jackson's. This is just